of our heart, Lord, that no matter what else is going on in our lives, Lord, when you speak, I hope I'm listening to you. There's so many voices. There's so many things being said. Lord, we want to hear your voice above everything else. Lord, remind us of your love. Lord, remind us of your love. There's so many that are hurting. So many are broken. So many has been lied to about who you are and what you're like. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Lord, uncork our ears to hear. Lord, we don't want to hear the, the delicacies and the words that are spoken that aren't from you. We get filled up with those things. Lord, we want to hear the word, the fresh rhema that comes down from heaven, from the Father of lights, where there is no darkness or shifting shadow. We want your word, Lord. We don't want to be filled up on things that aren't from you. We want our eyes to see clearly who you are and what you're like. We want our hearts to be tender. Tender so when that good seed and that good word comes, it comes into a fruitful piece of ground that will produce a 30, 60, or 100-fold increase. We thank you, Lord, that the Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he works in subtraction and division. But, Lord, you work in addition and multiplication. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are the light of the world. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Amen? Amen. Well, we're just going to keep moving forward in the Holy Spirit and allow him to deposit some good word and good seed into our hearts. Amen? How many of you okay with that? Amen. Well, you guys have been on a whole different um, trip for a couple of weeks, and uh, I didn't get to give you the, the introduction to the message of Philadelphia last week. The first service got that, um, and we, I saw by the time we were going, I couldn't give you that, but we're going to give it to you this week, and then catch back up, and um, the second, or the first service this week, they got a little, actually not a little, they got a big bonus. It was awesome. Um, God was definitely moving, and how many know that's, a, that's the reason you come, right? Yes. You're not, I pray, there's people who say, oh, pastor, that's, that was a good message, that's a good message. You know what, I don't care to hear if it's a good message. What I want to hear and see is, is that people's lives get changed. Is that you take his word and you apply it into good soil and you see increase. That makes me super happy. That makes me excited when I see growth. When I see people that were going in this direction, now they're going in this direction. Amen. When I see people that get hungry for the word of God. And they start feeding on it. And it starts doing what it does on us, right? It starts producing good fruit. That gets me excited. That's a beautiful thing. I love to see that. Amen. And I love to see, I'll tell you what, it's a different view. I got a lot better view than you guys got, I'll just say. I got a great view. And it's neat to see when the Holy Spirit is speaking and, and that seed is coming forth. I can literally see like good ground. I can see soil that's absorbing it. It is a beautiful thing to watch his word that goes forth and it doesn't return void. It goes forth and it goes in and it's producing. Amen. That is awesome. Like that is a beautiful thing. I love seeing that. You guys are awesome. Don't let anyone tell you different. Amen. 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 So this is the message to Philadelphia. This is the church that every church says they, that they are. Amen. This is like the best, one of the best words to the church. And every church will always identify. They say, well, we're the church of Philadelphia. 
No one wants to be the church of um, Smyrna or Sardis or Laodicea. But everyone's like, oh, we're Philadelphia. And you know what? We've had a great word. We had a word a while back came, and it was before I ever even got down on this, um, probably a year ago, said, Pastor, I felt the Lord say that this church is the church of Philadelphia. I said, you know what? I received that. Yeah. Amen? That's a wonderful word. And as, as we go forth, I believe it's the truth. You're going to see some things that's being said to this church, and, and uh, I'm excited about that. So I'll give you a little backdrop, a little, little history in the Philadelphia um, Philadelphia was a Ladean city founded by Attalus II of Philadelphus. Boy, that's a handle, ain't it? In 189 BC, this king was named because of his devotion and love of his brother, Amos, which was celebrated by a two-headed coin of each of them. Now, that's where you see the, the, the Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. So there was this king, when it was founded, he had a brother, and he loved him dearly, so much so that they were inseparable that even in their coins that were made, instead of having, like, we have a one-headed coin and then you have something else on the back, it was a two-headed coin. One head was him, the other head was the brother. So it was a very powerful um, description of their love for one another. Went on to say, Philadelphia was the youngest of the cities of the seven and was known for wine production. Dionysus was the god of wine, was the primary deity. So at this point, I have to get out of the spirit a little bit and just say, party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Um, some of you that are very young won't understand what I'm saying, but the movie Wayne's World um, made me, when, it, when I read this and I was studying this out, I'm like, this city was like, party on, Wayne, party on, Garth. Like, they had a, a lot of wine production, and their god, their main god that they worshipped was the goddess of wine. Now, when wine is your god that you worship, I'm going to just say there's a, probably a lot of partying going on. Does that make sense? I'm not, like, having to go take some deep imaginary steps and, like, take you somewhere that's... So why am I saying that? You need to understand the culture, where this church is at. Amen? So it wasn't like a kumbaya, this is a, this is a little church in an area that is wine country, and they celebrate and worship the god of wine. Okay? How many know all the different things that go on with debauchery, with wine, and drinking, and excess? Okay? That's where we're at. Okay. It was part of the imperial post road from Rome to Troas, to Pergamos, to Sardis, it was a gateway to the, to the high central plateau of Asia Minor. It lies under Mount Tumulus in a wide valley which opens into the Hermas Valley. The area is disastrously seismic, and the great earthquake of AD 17 completely destroyed it. Now, why am I giving you guys all this history? Because in each one of the letters that we go through and we look at what's going on in these cities, you see Jesus speak specific things to that church about the culture, and the history and the geography of that church. Amen? How many knows that God knows us? He's able to speak to us in such a way that we know what he's saying. Amen? He's able to use the events in our life that have happened to get our attention. Amen? That's what he's doing here. So that's why I want to give you a little bit of the culture and the history of that. So in AD 17, um, there was a huge earthquake, and it completely was destroyed. Philadelphia was tormented for 20 years of aftershocks and reoccurring quakes. How many know, like if you have a huge earthquake that wipes out your city, and for 20 years there's aftershocks going on and shakings going on, that is not a place where you're feeling very settled. Fair enough. Like a lot of people stopped living in the city. <laughs> Smart, right? They started living in the outskirts of the city. They start rebuilding, it would come tumbling down again. They start rebuilding for 20 years. Earthquakes kept and aftershocks kept happening. 
little, little bit of why he goes on to say, I will make you a pillar. Amen? Goes on. Um, tormented for 20 years of aftershocks and recurrent quakes. The city was renamed Neo Caesarea in gratitude of Tiberius's generous earthquake relief. But the name never stuck. The city was renamed many times, but it always would be referred to by Philadelphia. So part of the letter that Jesus says, he, he talks even about not just a pillar, but a name. I will give you a name. Basically, he said, I'm going to give you a name. It's going to stick. Now, how many know, like when you grew up, that there could have been some childhood names that you got or nicknames? And the people in your family, you may say, like I'm thinking of the Thompsons. Adam has a brother. He, he, he grew up and his name was Mikey. Well, he doesn't like being called Mikey. And I didn't know that. So I've only heard Candy and Adam say Mikey. So I'm like, hey, what's up, Mikey? He's like, I don't like Mikey. Okay, what's up, Michael? But as Adam and Candy, like, I have all my cousins, aunt and uncles, they're all E's. Uncle Tommy, Uncle uh, Kenny, Uncle Eddie, Aunt Pammy, like, they're all E's. Davey, like, it was all, I was Stevie. I don't particularly like Stevie. Really, the only person who ever called me Stevie is my grandma. She passed away, so you're not her. <laughs> Actually, I don't even care anymore, really, as long as I've been called a lot worse, so. Um, but... What I, my point is, is when you grow up with that, I don't care how many times you want to change your name, that's what your name is, right? To people that know you, the people that grew up with you, good luck changing that, right? Doesn't matter. Like, that's, that's what this city tried to do, like, a handful of different times. We're going to change the name of Philadelphia. Well, what ended up happening is every single time, like, okay, where are you guys going? Oh, Philadelphia. Where do you live? Philadelphia. So they tried that a handful of different times. They finally just gave up on it. said, I guess we're just going to be called Philadelphia. Amen. Okay, I said all that to say that. Praise God. That was a lot, right? The city was set up as an outpost to promote Greek culture to the communities in that region as a kind of missionary outpost. I get a crack up out of that. So here, the Greeks decided, like, we're going to make this city like a missionary outpost. Like, because it's where its location is. There's a lot of different roads going out. Like, this will be a great part to produce and push our Greek culture and our gods and all these different things. But here we have this little church that's planted right smack dab in that little area. That's like the perfect area. And already, they're already using that for like promoting um, culture and propaganda and all that stuff. So here's this little church. I can imagine they're going like, that's a great idea. Why don't we just like jump on board with what, what they're doing and we'll just share our faith like that. Amen. How many know like that's a good plan? How many know that God can put you in a spot that the enemy's using for evil? And you could be like, hey, why don't we just do this? That seems to work for them. Wow, thank you, Lord, good download. How about like the, um, the LGBTQ whatever else community? Oh, don't worry. Well, you could worry. I don't know why you wouldn't, right? Who knows what I might say. The truth is they have done a very good job promoting their propaganda and their culture. Have they not? An amazing job. A lot better job than the church. Hello? Maybe we can learn something. Not that we have to actually even learn something, because if we just did what Jesus said, we wouldn't have to learn something. But if there's a group of people who aren't Bible-believing, filled with the Holy Spirit, Christian people, and they're out messaging you, and they're out sharing their gospel, 
need to repent. Amen. We might be doing it wrong. Okay, that was free. That went over <laughs> not very well. <laughs> That's all right. You still got to love me. I read that. <laughs> the city was set up as an outpost and promoted their Greek culture, which the church used to spread the gospel. Jesus speaks, and I want you to understand to this letter, Jesus speaks no condemning word in their letter, just like Smyrna. There's only two churches through the seven that have no condemning word that comes from Jesus. When he says, I, I know your deeds, it's a good thing. Amen? But five other ones, he says, I know your deeds, and he's like, we got some work to do. Amen? So this is a great church. That's why a lot of churches are like, we're Philadelphia. <laughs> he speaks no condemning word. Um, Kind of interesting thing is just like Smyrna, who didn't get a condemning word, Jesus tells both of these churches that they will receive crowns. The other five doesn't get that, that they're going to receive a crown. There's no condemning word to these two, and they say, I'm going to give you a crown. Kind of just, just things I noticed. Um, Philadelphia, he said, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your crown. That kind of is interesting to me. That actually means that they already had a crown. Not that they're going to receive a crown. He's telling the church of Philadelphia, hold fast, I'm coming quickly. Make sure no one takes your crown. Right? Is that what that means? They must have been, or supposed to be. Jesus was thinking that they must be in possession of a crown. Where's your crown? You might want to hold quickly to it. Because he's coming. Amen? Is that He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen? That's what I got. All right, so we covered last week, he who was holy, true, and has the key of David says. Um, we broke through, what a great passage in Acts chapter 2, got into Isaiah, and we land where we're going to be going. Put your finger in 2 Peter chapter 2 while we read from Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to read the, the, our main text, chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Hold on a second, let me pray. Whew. Lord, I feel like i got to run. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this beautiful church that we can gather in, this building that we are free to worship in. We thank you. I thank you for the body that you have provided. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I, I, how each one of us are so greatly needed and valued. I thank you. Lord, I pray that you anoint my mouth as I distribute what you've put on my heart. Your word's already anointed. You don't need help with your word. It never returns void. I thank you for that. I thank you for the confidence I have in your word. Lord, I'm not confident in mine. I need your strength. Holy Spirit, anoint my lips. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And it is a pleasure and a joy to um, share the word and share the message that God um, gives to this body. I love it. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. I can promise you that. How many can say that? Amen. Amen. So, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true, and who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. Goes on to say, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Isn't that cool? He says, you have a little power. 
I love that. Like, what if we had a lot of power? Like, you have a little power. I've opened up a door for you. Wonder what kind of door opens up when you have a lot of power. Amen? That's just how I think. I'm sorry. I'm just like, whoa. Like, this is like the best church, one of the best churches in here because you have a little power. Like, ooh, like, let's get a lot, right? Like, what if, what if we all got baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like, what if we all were, like, running amok, like, on fire, like, crazy, ridiculous little Christians? Wonder what kind of power happens then, right? I'm just saying, like, things that make you go, hmm. I lost my place. Go figure. I know your deeds before I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's how you get power. Okay, next verse. Behold, I will cause um, those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. Yeah, that's a pretty good word right there. I don't want to preach that because it's going to probably come here in the next few days or next weeks. But I'd like to. <laughs> Look at this verse. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance or patience, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who what? Dwell upon the earth. That Greek word in the, dwell upon the earth would be also that identify with the earth, or that would identify with this world system. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Something stood out to me there, to this church. He says, I've kept you, and I've kept you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole earth. I wonder what he's talking about there. Hmm. I've kept you. How many know that's a good thing? How many know he's kept his bride? He's keeping us. And I'm going to show you a few more scriptures coming out of that. But wonderful word to who? The righteous. Those in right standing. Amen? Is this a church in right standing? Did he tell a church that wasn't in right standing that I will send you into tribulation? Yep, we did read that. Amen. Amen. He goes on, verse 12 says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He's saying... You church that's been shaken and shaken and shaken, don't you worry. I'm going to make you a pillar. You won't be shaken no more. Make you a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. See, they were always going out of that city. Start shaking, run. He's saying, you won't have to go out from it anymore. Praise God. And he says, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. So we covered last week um, the keys, how Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, having the keys of the um, kingdom of David and the, the eternal kingdom. And I closed on this statement. He who opens, no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Church, we're in good hands. The Lord has been opening and closing doors for a long time. Amen. He's really good at what he does. We, we, can, we can have peace in that God will open doors that no man can open. He will close doors that no man can close. How many are so thankful this morning that, that God's opened a door? Yes. How many know, like, I, I, I've tried to open doors. There's things I've tried to do. And, and you just, you ever just been like, you know that's an open door. And you're just running like, whoop, and all of a sudden just whack. And like the cartoon, you just hit it and then like slide down. 
I'm so glad that when God's like, hey, I've opened a door, you can go running and you don't have to worry about smacking anything. Because he says, I, when I open a door, no man can close it. Amen? Yes. That's like a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful that God's opened doors that no man can close. In my life, God's opened up doors and men have tried to close them. Yes. Yes. I, I've watched men try to close doors in my life for a long time. But you know what? So I can encourage you with this. They couldn't close the door. They couldn't close it. You know why? God's got a big foot. When he sticks his foot in that door, you can push all you want. He ain't going to close that door. No, no man's going to close that door. He's saying, church, I've opened doors for you that no man can close. I don't care how big they are. I don't care what they say. I don't care what their title is. I ain't closing that door. I've opened it. Now, how many can say, thank, thank you, Jesus, for that? Now, how many of you can say, thank you, Jesus, for just the opposite? He says, I'll close doors that no man can open. Whoo. Ladies, don't try to keep open a door that God's closed. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care how much money he makes. I don't care what he says he's going to do. Men, don't be trying to open up doors that God's closed. You might not like what you get. He'll open doors that no man can close, and he'll close doors that no man can shut. Don't get, don't get impatient. The blessing of this church, he says, I see your patience. You've waited for me. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. How many have circumnavigated that closed door? God closes the door, but I really want it. I don't like that you closed that door. That can't be the Lord. That's just opposition from the devil. Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm digging around a bush right there. Oh, that must be the devil. He doesn't want me to have that. Well, let me tell you something. If you keep kicking on that door and it ain't budging, it's probably not the devil. You need to be careful. He's closed the door. That doesn't mean you can't go around it. That don't mean you can't go over. Oh, you can. But you won't get what he has for you because that door has been closed. He's given you a will. He's given you a will. You can go to that door 10 times, and as long as you're wise, you go, oh, nope, it's still locked. And you go around, and you go back, and you go, well, well, Lord, if that's you, let me go check. Nope, he hasn't opened that door. Here's where you get in trouble. Well, he must not be home. How many done that? Bought that t-shirt, didn't like it. And then you have that. And then you're paying interest on that. For a long time. And you still got to make that payment. See, there's a price for sin. There's a price to pay when we don't listen to the Lord. Amen? There's a price. We don't want to make that payment. That payment's going to get old. People go, well, I don't know. I just, I just don't love him anymore. I remember going through something, and it wasn't a person, thank the Lord. I'm thankful that he closed doors, believe me, um, in that area. Um, but I remember something I thought I heard. And, but the Lord, right up until the moment, like it was like 
don't do it. This ain't for you. I'll never forget it. Oh, and I just went forward. I'm like, well, I kind of felt like this was God the whole time. And I don't know. Like, I'm like, why would you let me get all the way to this point and then tell me no? I don't know, but he said no. And I did it anyway. Oh, the best day of my life was I got rid of that. It took a long time, and I tried to make that thing work, and I tried to do in my power. make it just should, There's no reason it shouldn't have worked except for God said no. And it was a beautiful day when I finally got rid of it. I was, I was thankful, and I, li- I don't like taking a loss. People that know me, I like to buy things cheap and sell them and make money. Like, I was thankful to take a loss. Let this go out of my life. I don't want you no more. Thank God we serve a God who knows how to open doors. He opens doors and he closes doors and he's really good at it. We need to learn that. Amen? Amen. A couple examples. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, and then we're going to be 2 Peter chapter 3, so you'll probably just turn a page. I'm pretty sharp, huh? (laughs) For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into Hell, it committed them to pits of darkness, held for what? Judgment. And did not spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, who? A preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of who? Who? The world of the ungodly. He brought a flood. What was that flood? What did it represent? The judgment of God. God's wrath was poured upon the earth. On who? The ungodly. Who was he pleased with? Who did he spare? Noah. Why? He was righteous. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. This is going to start making sense to you about doors. Know this first of all, 2 Peter 3, verse 3 through 7. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come, they're mocking following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue just as they were from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at the time was destroyed by being flooded with water. And you're going to say, okay, what's all that about? I want you to see something that the world has said, and, and, and atheism really is on this, that everything from the start has continued the same. That is really what atheism believes. Christianity teaches that there was a great flood. There was a flood. And this is a huge event that God wants us to, to look at, especially those in the last day. He wants us to realize, he's like, yeah, they've said, like, where's Jesus coming, blah, blah, blah. And don't you think it's funny that in this last day speech that Peter is giving to the church, that he says, yes, and and you would just read past this and go, okay, well, I don't really know what that's about. He's speaking to us to say, hey, this is the day that you're in. They're going to say, like, where's Jesus at? He's been saying he's coming for a long time, and everything's been going on the same as it always has been. That is science today. The difference of a Christian and the Bible says Things haven't been going on the same. There was a huge flood that flipped this world upside down. Like the air was different before the flood. The atmosphere was different before the flood. The sediment layers that we see through digging in ground has all been flipped upside down and turned over. Like they know, like science will show you there was a huge flood. Those sediment layers are the same around the world. It was a global flood. 
All the dinosaurs that were discovered are in this position. Gasping for air. Like they're on their tippy toes, like as the water's coming up. And then they're all settled in that position. I don't know how that happened. Things haven't continued the same. You know why? The Bible says so. Now, the cool thing about this is Peter's pointing to the flood. What does he want us to see? Let's look. Verse 6, through, the, through which the world at the time was destroyed by being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of who? Ungodly people. Hmm. Same, same. Now let's look at the flood. Genesis chapter 7. I encourage you to go back and read and in its entirety the whole story of the flood and look at what I'm telling you. Revelation chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. What are the first four words there? Not seven, one, yeah. When everything was ready. That's a different translation, it must be. It's okay. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Listen to what God said when everything was ready. Church, when everything's ready, when everything's ready, he's going to open a door. Church, when everything was ready in Noah's day, he opened a door. He opened a door. When everything's ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family for among all the people of the earth. I can see that who? You alone are righteous. He told the righteous to what? Get into the boat. I'm going to open the door for who? The righteous. How many want to be involved and included with the righteous? If you're the bride, you're the righteous. If the blood of Christ has been applied to your life, you're the righteous. Amen? Amen. You don't have to worry about disaster and and God's wrath being poured out on you because you are righteous. How many know that God operates in types and shadows? We have a verse back that said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. Why does Peter say, I want you to look back. And he also uses Sodom and Gomorrah, which I just didn't have time to go there today. He's wanting to show us something, church. I've been opening and closing doors for a long time. I'm very consistent. I am more precise than a Swiss-made watch. You can, I can keep, you can keep time by me. You can see my consistency from beginning to the end. I'm alpha and I'm omega. Watch how many different ways I'll show you my consistency. I am the Lord your God who changes not. Amen? We see a consistent pattern that God gives grace to the righteous. And he pours out wrath on those who are unrighteous. To the ungodly, his wrath is poured out. That's what he did once before, worldwide. Who did he spare? The righteous. Did he want more people on the boat? Did he tell Noah, as you're building this boat, share, the, share that, what I'm going to do. He wanted everyone to get on. He would have built a bigger boat. You say, Pastor Steve, what are you doing? Genesis 7, 16. A male and female of each kind entered just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. Who closed the door? You know what I don't have to worry about? When to close the door. When, when everything was ready, he said, get in the boat. 
He opened the door. When everything was ready and things were wrapped up, he said, I'm closing the door. This should terrify people. When that door closed, that was it. It didn't start raining right then. When it started raining, I guarantee there's, there's claw marks in that ark. When that door closes, that's it. He says, I'll open doors that no man can open, but I will close doors. Or I'll close doors that no man can shut, and I'll close doors that no man can open. You're not going to be able to open that door. When it's closed, it's closed. I know your deeds. This is the second point. I know your deeds, and I've put before you an open door. How many say praise the Lord? I've put before you an open door. God has put before you an open door. See, Jesus knew their good works. He's exercising his authority by opening a door before them. Church, we have a door that's wide open before us. This is a beautiful time to be serving the Lord. This is a beautiful time to be in the kingdom. You've got doors he has flung open for you. Like there's, I don't believe there's ever been a people group on the earth that's had so many doors open for them, for the gospel. Like you've been, you are kingdom priests. There's, there's only been Melchizedek and Jesus. That's it. And you. Don't tell me there's not a bunch of open doors. You have, king, you have doors that are open that no, one, no other people in history have had, and yet they were, to, they were able to, by faith, shut the mouths of lions, take giants out. Amen. And we're kingdom priests yes. that have doors opened. Like, this needs to be settled in your heart. One of the greatest doors that I've found so far, and there's a bunch, but I just want to turn to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. We looked at this last week, but in a different light. It starts, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Now, I want to explain something in Revelation. Um, he, he, the key to the book of Revelation is in chapter 1, verse 19, but I'm just going to share it with you. It says, write, therefore, this is Jesus telling John, write, therefore, the things which you have seen, have, have seen, is past, right? He says, and the things which shall take place, which, which are... So the things you have seen, the things which are, which he saw Jesus in the form of the white raiment, his eyes glowing, like all that. So he's writing about what, what are. And then, here's the next key, things which shall take place after these things. Meditata, that's the Greek word, after these things. Okay, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. That Greek word, meditata, after these things. This is an important word. The book is, by Jesus' own description, write the things that have taken place, write the things which are, and then write those things that are going to happen after. After what? The church age. What is this passage? What is all about the church? Now, I've told you there's a church age. Daniel's 70th week is the week set aside, the final seven years, for Israel. Not that Christians won't be involved in that. There's going to be some that, that get left, just like there's... The church age, there's Jewish people that get saved. But the main emphasis is to the church age. Meditata, after these things. We see the church in chapters 4 and 5 and the, elder, and the elders. They're sitting around the throne. They are dressed in a different clothing than those going through tribulation. We also see the church is coming down in chapter 22 um, or 19. 
with Jesus coming out of heaven. He, remember, he's coming down, his clothing changes, he has a robe dipped in blood, and the church who is dressed in fine clothing is coming with him, which means the church isn't on the earth. The church is with him coming down. Amen? Meditata, after these things. I've said all that to say this. John says, I looked and behold, what? A door standing open in heaven. Wow, this is what he's telling the church that they won't, the church that won't go through that tribulation, I will open doors for you. Behold, what do I see? An open door. Yay! That's exciting, you guys. Like, that's the best open door I've ever seen. Like, the worst time of history that's ever going to happen on this planet, there's an open door. I'm going in that door. I'm just going to tell you, that's the door I'm going in. You can do all whatever the heck you want to do, but I'm going in that door. That's the door you will find me in. I'm not going to play many hall. Let's make a deal. No, I'm going in that door. I don't care what you want to trade. No, I'm going in that door. Amen. How many know what door I'm going in? Do you know what door you're going in? You need to be sure as I am. Do I look sure? I'm serious. I'm sure. Some of you young people will not know what I just did. <laughs> Ask your grandparents. A door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet. Wow, that's interesting. Where have I heard that before? The sound of a trumpet. Second Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, Behold, I heard what? The sound of a trumpet. And what happened? The dead in Christ will rise, and those who are on the earth will be caught up with them and meet Jesus where? In the air, not on the ground. In the air. Second coming, Jesus comes on the ground. Where is the church and where are those who are dead in Christ when they hear the what? Sound of the trumpet. Caught up, rapturo. You say, rapture's not in the Bible. It's in the Latin Bible. It's harpazo in the Greek. Caught up. Caught up. You know John was caught up when he gets this revelation? He's not even on the earth. Hmm, that's just a coincidence. Or is God telling us the same story from beginning to end? You need to be sure about this. You need to be sure. You need to know where you're headed. You need to know how good your God is. And you need to know that he's going to close a door here soon. And your window of opportunity is going to be over. But it ain't yet. It says, the first voice which I heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place, what? After these things, meditata. After what things? After the church age. If you have it, a great question would be, so Pastor Steve, when's the church age over? Soon. That's what I'll tell you. There's people now, again, putting dates on things. I will promise you, I can tell you, if someone puts a date that Jesus is coming back, they're a false prophet. I don't need anything. I'm set. I will tell you with cons- pure, I will promise you, that will not be the day he comes back. I don't remember how many, t- I had non-Christian friends a few years back calling me on the phone. Hey, I just saw a billboard. It said that Jesus is coming back on this date. Like, I know you're a Christian. Like, what's up with that? I said, Sam, don't worry. I can promise you he is not coming back on that date. Well, how can you say that? Because Jesus don't even know the date he's coming back. What? 
I thought he was God. He is God. Well, then how does that work? I don't know. But he, he don't know. It's the, same, it's the same story that when Jesus told us in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you in my father's house. And in that culture, that young man would go start building a, a place for his bride. And he didn't know when he was going to go collect his bride until daddy said, hey, go get your bride. It's like he's trying to tell us the same thing over and over and over so we'll understand. Amen? I don't know when it is, but I know from the signs and I know from the wonders and from the things that are going on, it's soon. Amen? How many know? Like, you know that you know. He's coming back. Things are wrapping up. Even non-Christian people are like, things are wrapping up. Something's up. When non-Christian people have a more Holy Spirit than you do, there's a problem. Right? I'm serious. Like, when the rest of the church is like, well, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, it's all good. Like, that's what he said was going to happen. In all reality, Jesus has been exercising and sharing this authority that he has for quite some time. He's had these keys for a long time. He knows what he's doing, church. He's been opening and closing doors for a long, long time. You know, it's kind of funny. He even calls himself what? The door. He says, I am the door. This is a very unpopular thing to say today in this culture. But Jesus said it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the door. I've had lots of different people want to have discussions and problems with that, especially doing jail ministry for like 10 years. I'd share that verse and people get all upset and all bent. I'd be like, hey, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. He said it. I'm serious. That's how I've always been like, he said it. Get mad at him. Don't be mad at me. I'm just a messenger. But just understand that the one who put your sin and my sin and the sin of the world on himself and went to a cross to pay for that is the one who said that. He has the right to say that. But he's the only way. There is no other way. He's the door. I'm the door. If anyone tries to come in from another way, who is he? He ain't the shepherd. He's a thief. I'm the way. Amen? Church, we should not be ashamed of that. We should not be afraid of that. We should be championing that. Hey, there's a way. There's an open door. His name is Jesus. The door's open. You should go through that door. Like if, if you went through that door and, and really experienced what I experienced, like, yay, this is amazing. This is so much better than being outside the door. Then you're going to tell people like, hey, come with me. You would actually just start like running and grabbing people and being like, I don't care. You're coming. <laughs> Get your butt in that door, Right. And they'd be like, you'd be running at them. Get in there. <laughs> You're smelling what I'm stepping in. <laughs> Sorry. Not really. That's who I am. Praise the Lord. In all reality, we should be using that authority that Jesus is operating in. It's just going to, it's going I'm just letting you know, it's going to transition to real right now. Because up until this point, it's about Jesus opening doors and closing doors. There's just a little 
interesting thing that he does, and he tells us that, actually, I want you to open doors and close doors. Amen. Amen. Why don't we look at Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19. <clears throat> David, you can put the feel-good music on, please. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? I need you to circle that in your Bible if you have a Bible open or highlight it on your phone. Um, you need to make sure that is like a part of your daily um, walk and a part of your daily talk with the Lord. How many, how many know like he was setting them up? Who do people say that I am? He was curious. The whole point he did that is because he was real concerned about one thing. Who do you say that I am? This is the most important question. I'm going to tell you this way. It is the key. This verse, this question is the key that opens the door. This is the key. Who do you yourself say that I am? You know what he's saying? I didn't ask you what your mama said. I didn't ask you what daddy said. I didn't ask you what your husband says I am. I'm not asking you who your wife says I am. I'm not asking you what all those prophets say I am. I'm asking, who do you say I am? You see, there's a day that we're going to stand before him naked. Just like we were in the garden. Nothing to hide. And we're going to be standing before him. And there's not going to be an excuse. There's not going to be anything to hide this question. Who do you say I am? See, he goes on and, he, and Peter says, and I love Peter. Like, I see myself in Peter. He's like a shoot first and aim later sometimes guy. <laughs> not that that's always good. But he's not afraid. Peter's not afraid. Peter jumps out of the boat. Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. And then he realizes, whoa, I'm on water. And these waves are crazy. And he starts tripping. But what, what did Peter do? And you know what? The Lord picked him up. And then he walked with him back to the boat. And all these other people are, oh, look at Peter. Did it. I would be like, did you walk on water? I did. All these other guys, he says to the, all these other guys, so who do people say that I am? And then he asked the group, who do you say I am? And I can just picture it. It gets real quiet like it is right here. Peter's the first one out of the boat again. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. I'm convinced of it. And he says, blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood is not dis dis disclose that to you. Is that what it says? Maybe I should read it. Blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Church, <laughs> we need to get ready where we don't have to be needing flesh and blood to be revealing things to us. You hear me? We don't have to go running and looking at the latest, greatest prophecy. This prophet said this. Well, we're running. What's, what's the word for the day, brother? You don't need flesh and blood to reveal that to you. Why don't you let the Father reveal that to you? He wants to reveal things to you. Now, I need you to, you, I need you to hear me for a second, all right? I'm going to go off topic just a second and do a little teaching. I'm not against prophecy. 
I did have a hard time with so many people prophesying, this saith the Lord, and God's doing this, and it, no, he didn't. And my, my problem is not that people have missed it, because I'm not perfect. Church, you need to understand this. We as Christians need to understand there's none of us perfect. If we're going to hold people to a level of perfection, that's not God. Like, I'm pretty open before you all, pretty transparent. I think you all know, like, your pastor's not perfect. I am intentionally want you to see that. I want you to see a culture of, I don't expect perfection. The Father doesn't expect perfection. We need to have a culture where we understand that prophets and prophecy is in part. That's what it says. Prophets prophesy what? In part. They know in part. That's why Paul, when he designed and spoke to the churches, he said when, when a prophet wants to give a prophecy, and there might be two or three, have them get up in front of the church and prophesy. And then we as the body are to examine that prophecy. You're literally supposed to kind of poke at it and go, well, what's this about? What's... And you shouldn't be, as a prophet, upset by that. You should be humble enough to realize, I only know in part. I might have missed it. How many know if, if you have a heart that's like, I don't have all the answers to this. I know part of it. I'm bringing this to you this way, so maybe you can poke at it. Maybe you have some more understanding of it. And if you come that way and you missed it, you know what? We're going to say, or this is the culture I want to see in this church. I love you. Not that don't you ever share a word ever again. You're a false prophet. Because if any of you are perfect, I think Jesus said, go ahead. Pick up that stone. But somehow in the church, if you do anything for the Lord, you better be perfect. Well, then nothing's going to get done. Amen? That doesn't mean you have a right to just blab whatever the heck you want and say God said. Here's why a lot of pastors have got real controlling over the gifts of the Spirit. And you can be mad about it or not, but what you don't understand as a pastor is you're responsible for that flock. And when you've seen gifts misused and people told that you're going to have a baby in next year, and then they don't have no baby. Or God's going to heal your child. And the child dies. People start getting a little weary of prophecy. People start getting a little weary of God said. But let me tell you, there's a reality that God says. And in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 40. Maybe I'll share with you next week. God says, I'm a big boy. Basically, he says, I'm a big God. Um, I didn't need any help with when I was creating this planet. I didn't need any help from you when um, I've tore down things. And I don't need any help from you um, performing my works that I give my prophets. That's what he says. He doesn't need you to pray in that prophecy. See, a lot of prophets have been teaching here lately that, well, it's been kind of the church's fault that you didn't pray enough to, for the president to become the president. And that started in our own, seriously, well, we need to pray. I said, no, we don't. Those, are, those of you who are in our prayer group will remember what I said. We don't have to pray to help God perform his prophets, his word. He holds his word above his name. He's a big boy. He says, my word will never return void. He says, uh, my word is, is higher. I hold that in a higher esteem than my own name. So God doesn't need help. Like, you don't have to pray in when he says, thus saith the Lord. When, when Jesus or the Father says, I'm doing this, guess what's going to happen? 
It's going to happen. It was that same word. He spoke this world into existence. He says, I'm not a man that I can lie. Is that clear enough? Like, now I'm not saying that if you, if there's, and there's different types of prophecy. There's prophecy that I can prophesy. I'm prophesying right now. I'm speaking a truth. You can pray that, that good things come from that. Yeah, great. But when God says, like, I'm going to do this on this time. This is what I'm going to do. Like, what you should be doing is, like, if he says, I'm going to send rain, you should start building a boat. Like Noah did. When Elijah said, pray for it to stop raining, guess what? It ain't going to rain anymore. And then he told Elijah, pray that it rains. Elijah prayed. You see, he asked the servant, do you see a cloud? Nope. Well, God said, pray for it to rain. Pray. You see a cloud? Nope. God said it was going to rain. Pray. You see a cloud? Yes. I just see this little cloud. He's like, out running a chariot. You know what he knew? God said. We need to be a people that when we understand, like, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like that, that prophet of uh, Elisha's prophet. He came running. We're surrounded. We're surrounded. They're going to they're gonna take us into captivity. He just... Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes. Let, let him see what I know. Let him see what I see. Church, we're in a good spot. Our God is going to perform every single thing he said he's going to perform without my help. I'm not going to open up that door in heaven. I don't know how to do that. I'm not even supposed to know how to do that. He's going to open that door. He didn't have to get Noah. Hey, Noah, come on out here for a second. Help me close this door. Well, how the heck am I going to get back in the boat? Well, I don't know. I don't know how that. Well, I guess I just better close it then. I guess I don't need your help. No? Hey, no, just sit tight in that boat. I'll close that door when it's time. You're not going to change his plan. I don't have to bind the enemy to keep God's plan from happening. Oh, I'm going to mess up some theology. Here's what people, the only reason I'm teaching this is because there's been some prophets lately that have like got upset with other prophets who humbled themselves and said, you know what? I think I've missed it. Please forgive me. And then they scolded the other prophets said, you shouldn't say that. You didn't miss it. God said. If God says, he's going to do it. And if he didn't, then it only leaves one spot for error. Me. And we should be able to be humble enough to understand that and say, well, he missed it. I still love you. Amen? I still love you. It's not okay when people are saying, well, this is what God wanted, but the enemy just stole it. You're making your prophecy then. If I'm a prophet and I believe that, I could say whatever I want and just say, well, if it didn't happen, then the enemy stole because, you know, he's a thief. The enemy can't steal nothing from the Father. You need to understand something. It's not God and the devil are here. God is here. The enemy is a created being who knows his time is short, who's running on a very short clock. And God is Alpha and Omega and beyond time. There's no close. There's nothing even close. The enemy cannot stop one thing God has predicted and said is going to happen and ordained. If he could have, he'd have wiped Jesus out. If he could have, and he tried, and again, the father just laughed. Ha. You thought you, ha. You thought you got me on this one. Ha. 
hey, check this, check this out, guys. Watch this. Watch what I, I knew he was going to do that. We're okay. We got nothing to be afraid of. I'm not against prophecy. I love prophecy. It's a blessing. It's a gift that God has given the church. And I want you to grow in it and to learn how to walk in it. And we're not going to throw rocks at you if you get it wrong. But we will have some conversations and say, hey, what was going on with that? How many know you can be influenced by your own flesh? You can be influenced by what you want to happen. Is that true? Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. How many want to have those revelations? Revelations from the throne room of the Father. From the Father of lights where there's no shifting shadow. You don't have to guess, church. You really don't have to guess when he says. When he says, you can cash that check. When he says, you know that you know. There's been a handful of times in my life, and I'm not going to try to sound super spiritual. There's been a handful of times in my life that I know that I know that I know that I, I stood so far out on a limb because I know what he said. And it shook me to the core. And I wept as the word was coming to me. And I was so scared to not mess up that word. I wrote it down. And, and people, I don't write down a whole lot. I wrote down every single word. And when I delivered it to the church, I read it word for word. Because I didn't want any pit of my inflection or anything on it. Because I knew it was holy. It was from him. And there is times that he just speaks to us and he just deposits things. And I can very say, you know, I feel the Lord saying this. I sense the Lord's doing this. But there's times that it comes from the throne room of heaven and grace. And he don't need your help performing that. And even if you miss that, I'm going to come alongside of you and say, I love you. I'm not, I, don't, I haven't got them all right either. I, sometimes... I don't know. I don't know. I thought before God was doing something, it didn't happen. I don't know. I know there's been a lot of people try to close doors and God kicked them open. I know there's been a lot of times that he opened doors for me that I didn't see any possible way there was going to be an open door. And here's the good news, church. Upon that statement that thou art the Christ, it's like it's saying, I'm not. You are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. He builds his church. The Catholic church got this part wrong. The church isn't built on Peter. The church is built on Peter's declaration. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because anyone who makes that declaration, thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of the living God, you are the Messiah, you are the anointed one, you are the one that was prophesied to come, you are that one. He says, I will build my church. Upon that rock, I will build my church. And guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, who do you say he is? Who do you say that he is? This world is wanting to know. Who do you say that he is? <laughs> he says, I will give you, the, the gates of hell won't overpower, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth, where? Shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, where? Shall be loosed in heaven. He is giving his kingdom priests that authority. Those keys to the kingdom. Church, 
We need to quit waiting for him to go unlock doors. You need to quit waiting for him to lock doors. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's called us kingdom priests. He says, go and unopen those doors. Go set the captives free. Go declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Go give sight to the blind. Go raise the, raise the dead. Ra- heal the sick. Open the doors. He's given us the keys by his authority. Is this not what he said? One of these days, we're all going to realize he meant every single word he said. Every single word. We keep wanting him to do it. And he said, I gave you the authority. I gave you the keys. Lock them. Why is there so much depression in this earth right now? Why is there so much depression in the church? Why is there so much divorce in the church? Why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much shame? Why is there so much sin? Why is there so much hopelessness? Lock those doors. You've got the keys to the kingdom. Close them and lock them. Bind those things in the name of Jesus. You've been given the authority and the power. Quit calling and waiting for someone else to do it. There's no one else coming. There's no one else coming. The Lord told me in the first service. This is like, like um, what was the, the battle in, in Texas? The Alamo. They were waiting for Houston to come. He never came. They, Davy Crockett and all those guys, they all said, there ain't no one coming. We better, it's up to us. We better stand up and fight. Church, it's up to us. There's no one else coming. You've got the keys. Who are you waiting for to bind these things? Bind them. The enemy's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's raping and pillaging in our own families and our homes and those around us. It's up to you to lock those things. It's up to you to bind those things. It's up to you to open up doors. Set the captives free. Declare this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time. This is the day. This is the place. This is the hour. Today's the day of salvation. That's what my Bible says. Today's the day of salvation. He said, I feel the anointing. The anointing is on me to open the sight of the blind, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, to give freedom to those who are captive. We're supposed to be like little kids just running around carefree, opening up doors. Yay. Come on out and play. Don't stay in that bondage. Carefree. Carefree. I got keys. I got keys. My daddy's given me authority. I don't care what the enemy says. I'll tell my daddy on him. I'll bind him. Seriously, guys. We're not playing. This isn't a game. We're not here to just do kumbaya and feel good, go home. You got to take the keys to the kingdom with you. Do what Jesus did. Isn't that what a Christian is? That's what it looks like. He said, follow me. He gave his apostles authority. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit yet. He just gave them the keys to the kingdom. And you know what they did? They gave sight to the blind in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And lame limbs leaped. Get up. Though you're dead, I bind death. I speak life. Rise up and walk. Who's going to do it? See, we either believe or we don't. Game time's over. You either believe this word or you don't. I'm going to tell you, if you don't, you ain't going to like it here. 
I'm going to rattle this cage as long as God gives me breath to rattle this cage. We're going to preach the word. We're going to do it. He's coming. I actually believe he says, go and make disciples. Baptizing them. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. There's no one else coming. We're it. He must believe that you're more than enough. He must believe you're more than a conqueror. He must believe that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead resides in you. What else do we need? You need permission? Go! Open doors. Unlock doors. Bind things in the name of Jesus. Not in your name. I'm not doing those. I don't have. He's giving me the keys. And whoever has the keys has the power and the authority. Amen. Who's got the keys to your house? Let me give you this simple. When you leave, do you lock the door? When you come home, is there anyone in there? Wow. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. When you go to your door and you unlock it, what happens? Do you open the door and go in? So that means you're going in your authority. Church, we have the keys. There's no excuse. There's none. Well, why isn't God doing... We, we are professional. Put it on God. Put it on anyone else. Why isn't this happening? It's our fault. It's our fault if it ain't happening. God's already done everything. My Lord, he's done more than enough. He just isn't ma- physically making you get up and walk and do it. No, you have a free will. Exercise your faith. Exercise your muscles, your mouth. Why don't share my faith? No, because you're not opening your mouth. You're not telling anybody. How are people going to get saved if no one preaches? How are people going to get healed if no one goes and believes and has faith and unlocks the door for them? How are people going to get delivered if they're bound by depression and suicide and death and no one comes and loves them enough to say, let me free you? Jesus did everywhere he went. And these signs shall follow you. Isn't that what he said? Does he open doors that no man can shut? Does he shut doors that no man can open? He either does or he doesn't. Did he say, I'm giving you the keys on what? What is the key? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the great I am. You're the holy one. You're the alpha. You're the omega. It's not my words. Just like I said, be mad at him. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I've prayed and I've seen people healed and I've prayed and I've seen them not. That is not going to determine what his word says. I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to unlock doors. I'm supposed to bind things. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. No matter what happens, you do it. And I will promise you God's going to show up. He blesses obedience. He doesn't bless disobedience. So we can come here all we want. We can tell God to bless us. But if we're not doing the stuff that he said to do, we're not going to be blessed. And you can say, well, I got a good paycheck. You don't even know what blessed is. Like blessed favor of God on your life. That when you go somewhere, the love of God just leaking out of you. 
And people are crying, coming up to you, going, I don't know why I'm crying. Because the love of God's coming out. Because your shadow's going by people. And the presence of God and the anointing on your life is walking by people that are dying. And they're going, I don't know what that is. I've encountered little bits of that. People coming into a story going, I don't know what it is. And I start crying, it's, it's the love of God. In spite of my faults. You're not having to wait to be perfect. You get up and believe and act. You see someone laying on the ground and you care enough rather than walk around like the Samaritan. That Samaritan said, I'm not even worthy. He went and picked him up. There's people dying all around us. They're going to hell. There's people bound. They're depressed. They're even in the church. The divorce rate's the same in the church as outside. How are we going to love if we don't love like him? How are we going to see people change if we're not willing to lay our life down? Open the gates. Set the captives free. Declare the acceptable year of the Lord. This is it. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time. This is the place. Today's the day, church. Today's the day. There's people here, I'm not playing games. You need to get saved. You don't need to say a prayer. You need to get saved. You need to be sold out. You need to put everything on the line and say, God, from this point forward, I'm following you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because that's what you called. You said, I'm supposed to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. That's everything. I'm all in, God. I'm all in. I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself. That means I'm going to put other people ahead of myself. I'm going to lay down. Yes, I'll be a doormat for them if if that's what it takes for them to get into the door. And I ain't going to be able to do that in my strength, guys. I'm going to have to be in his presence. I'm going to have to honor his presence and honor him more than anything else. I'm going to have to recognize him as a holy God. And there's going to be nothing else that's going to compete for that. I'm going to be sold out for that. And I will promise you, I will promise you, you will see the miracles. You'll see the signs. You'll see the salvations. He said to that little church, I see a little power. I've opened up a door. Whoa. What if there's a big power? What if there's a large anointing? What if a bunch of people are on fire filled with the Holy Spirit? All in. Not playing games. Not talking the talk. What if we're all walking the walk? If there's people that need to be saved, you, need, you, should, you should already be in the altar. Serious? Church, I shouldn't have to beg people and plead with people to come. And you're saying, what's the altar? This is a place of death. That sounds inviting. I'll tell you what it sure was for me. I knew I needed to die. My flesh needed to die. My old life needed to die. The old past needed to die. And I needed a new life. I needed, I needed everything that Jesus said I was available in this book. I need it and I want it. And if that's you, you should be out of your seat. Well, I've already said a prayer. Is, is, is what I'm preaching and saying, is that, mag- is that happening on a normal basis in your life? If it's not, why aren't you in the altar? It blew me away. It's still blowing me away. The first service, it took them a second. 
Little David showed up on a scene. Little David showed up on a scene and there was highways full of the Israel's army. Full. And Goliath was taunting every one of them, had been for like 40 days, saying, who is this God? Where's your God? And all these people stayed there, didn't say a word. Little David shows up and goes, whoa, who is this uncircumcised Philistine speaking about my God? And while there was a whole bunch of people on the sidelines, all these people on the sidelines saying all their stuff, there was a little boy who got up with a stone and he took out a giant. He took out a giant church. You're going to have to get out of your seat. You're not going to just sit on the sidelines anymore. It ain't about sitting on the sideline and going, well, I'd have done it like that, or they should be doing this, or get off the sideline. Sideline people don't matter. Get in the game. It's real easy to talk and watch someone in a fight and go, how bad to kick that dude's butt, da, 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 da. Were you in the ring? People talk a lot of smack from the sidelines. Get in the game. Unlock some doors. Bind some things. You see people around you that are dying, that are hurting, that are bound up. Open those things up. Step out in faith. God's calling you. God's calling you. He's calling you into the deep. He's calling, actually, he's calling you into the terrifying. He's calling you into places that you can't stand in your own. He's calling you into places there is no bottom. You're going to have to walk by faith, not by sight. You're going to have to walk blindly where he's leading you and calling you, or you're not going to participate in that. You're not going to get it being comfortable, church. It ain't coming to those who are comfortable. It ain't coming to those who are just satisfied with what they have. He's going to pour out on those who are hungry. He says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? And if you're not hungry and thirsty, why aren't you? Because you're feeding on things that are not him. Are you walking in the light? Am I preaching the truth? His word says, if you know the truth, it'll set you free. There's people sitting in this room that are bound still. You need to be free from the past. You need to be free from the lies of the enemy. You need to be free from thinking like, I can't do that. I'm not enough. What could I do? He says, when you're weak, I am strong. Those things that you think are hindrances that are going to keep you from doing it are exactly the opposite. God's going to use those weak, those areas where you say, I can't do that. He's like, you're right, but I can. I will do it through you. I will use your past. I will use your hurts. I will use those mistakes. And I will, and I will be glorified through them. Amen. Don't say that you can't. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. You are the hope of glory to this world because Christ in you is the hope of glory. You are love that is planted inside of you, that is habitating and resting in you. His love and his love never fails. It can't fail. Today's the day. Today's the day. You have to learn how to walk in the deep. Walk out of the comfort. Walk out of the boundaries that you've set for yourself and that others have set for yourself. See, when he leads you, there's a wide open area. It's vast and it's wide. There's all kinds of room to run. There's all kinds of places to be carefree like a little child. 
Why aren't we acting like little children? Why aren't we free? Why are we so care, so we're in such care for this world, for the stuff that we have, or about the things that we might lose? Count it all loss for the sake of knowing him. <laughs> Count it all lost. Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you free? If you're not, get out of your seat and get free. You're saying, why do I got to move? There's an obedience. There's a step of faith that God meets you at. I don't know why, like, that old people say, oh, that's old-fashioned, coming to an altar. You know what is what he designed? It's a place of burnt flesh. And I don't know why, but when you put burnt flesh on an altar, God loves that smell. He loves that smell. Where's my pastors at? Where's my elders at? You need to be up here praying for people. If you're not going to come up here and pray, come up here and pray with some folks. Come on. God's doing something in here. Don't limit it. Those of you that need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. Just be very quiet about that. If, though, if, if you need, if you're here and you know that God's brought you here and you need salvation, come up here. Lift your hand up. Say, I need, I need the Lord. I need, him, I need salvation. I need to be free. If you're not free, he wants to free you. Do not leave here the same way you came. Amen. Holy Spirit's moving in here. Don't be afraid. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone that needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? You haven't been or you've been struggling with that? It's for you. The Lord want to, want to baptize you today. Every good gift, everything that he has to offer, he wants you to have. Don't be afraid of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Jesus, when you speak. 